It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good Friday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme as we head into yet another weekend and another week has rolled on by. If there's anything you want to share with us, John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls at 1850 333 103. We'd love to hear from you. You can text her WhatsApp as well to 0862 103 103. And let's start on what is a very positive story coming from all of the papers today and that is to say that Ireland, we now have almost zero new cases of COVID-19 and all of the indicators of the disease that they're either stable or they're declining and that's three weeks into the easing of the restrictions that's coming from the our public health officials vowing to go as low as possible towards eliminating the disease. The Chief Medical Officer Dr Tony Houlihan yesterday said he did not believe that there were any hidden clusters out there separate from the small number of daily cases that we have been reporting. Now the National Public Health Emergency Team uh, at its meeting yesterday considered a call by a group of scientists for travel controls and other tough measures to be introduced short term. You may have, uh, we, we, we touched on this during the week and it got a lot of comments in the paper was about a thousand scientists came together and they felt that we were opening up the country too soon and they felt that we should have even had tougher measures than the measures we ever we already had in place and their idea was that we would uh, rather than flattening the curve we would crush it completely but Dr Tony Houlihan and his experts are saying no they're happy with the way things are going the group they say are, are satisfied to, that additional measures are not needed and it's all very positive about opening up other parts of uh, society and industry and all indicators of the disease are stable, are declining at present. That's according to Professor Nolan and Professor Nolan heads up the section of NEFESH that t- takes a look at the modelling, takes a look at 
how the disease is spreading or in this case declining around uh, the country. Professor Nolan said the reproductive number, this is this famous R number, which is the measure of how many people a confirmed case goes on to infect. That is standing at between 0.4 and 0.8 and once we keep that under one, that is all important. And remember that R number when we started, when we were first getting information on the pandemic that was up at, I think it was at 3.4 at one stage and now we have it down to 0.4 to 0.8. The next two weeks though, says Professor Nolan, are critical in limiting transmission and keeping that R number low because if we keep that R number low then obviously we will go on to suppress the virus. We're a week in to phase two, phase two plus as it's been uh, called. So the next two weeks are really going to uh, tell us a lot. And the way of face masks again has a lot of commentary on it again uh, yesterday and the wearing of face masks are covering will not be made mandatory but more people need to use them in shops and on public transport that again is coming from Tony Houlihan he admitted though that clear consistent communication is needed around the wearing of masks because we have a relatively low take up in this country. He reiterated that it was just part of a packet of measures which needs to include physical distance, hand washing and covering coughs and uh, sneezes. It is now likely that people will be confronted with more signs prompting them to wear a mask or a face um, uh, covering. And actually we have a little clip from the Health Minister Simon Harris and he was speaking to, um, if I can find the piece, he was speaking to one of our sister stations on the issue of wearing face masks and should we wear them or should we not wear them? And here's what Simon Harris had to say. There has been kind of mixed, mixed views on it for a long time. And if you put lots of different doctors or scientists in rooms, you were getting lots of different opinions. But we've a very clear view now that if you're getting on public transport, so you're getting on a bus or a Dart or a Lewis train, or if you're in a shop or a supermarket, or in an enclosed space where you can't really socially distance, you should wear a face. We call them a face covering. And the reason we're calling them that is you don't need the same mask that a nurse or a doctor would have in a hospital. And in fact, you can even make your own face covering. There's actually videos up on my Twitter as to how to do it. You can make them with socks and T-shirts and the likes. You can obviously go out and buy, buy a mask as well. But you, uh, yes, the short answer, you shouldn't be getting on public transport or going around the supermarket without one. There are some exceptions. Obviously, some people will have a medical condition that they can't wear one. And um, we don't recommend them for children under 13. But the idea here is it's not a magic shield. Like, it won't stop you getting the virus. But what it does is, this is a virus that transfers from droplets. So the, the droplets in your in your mouth, in your body... Uh, can pass on to somebody else and what it does do is make it harder for those droplets to spread. So it's it's an extra hygiene measure and it is absolutely recommended that you do it and we're going to launch a, a pretty big public awareness campaign on it in the next couple of days. OK, we'll watch with interest for that public awareness campaign. That's the Minister for Health, uh, Simon Harris. And yesterday, Dave, Dr David Nabarro, he is the World Health Organisation Special Envoy on COVID-19 and he was in Ireland yesterday and he was saying that people must wear a face covering to reduce a transmission of the virus and he reckons that the message should be must rather than should. So to me the World Health Organisation are saying to the government you should be making it mandatory. He was in favour of bus drivers, security staff and other workers all wearing some kind of face covering. Asked if they should be compulsory on buses for passengers. He says that is a reasonable position 
to hold. And I have to say, in other countries, it is, and you know, just across the water in England, you can't get on a bus or a train without some kind of a face covering. And it's the same across a number of the European countries, even as they've opened back up, they're insisting that people, certainly on public transport, because you can be confined on a bus for a couple of hours or on train for a couple of hours sitting with people. So the advice, the World Health Organisation would, if they had their way, I think would say to the Irish government, we should be making it uh, mandatory. Now, Dr. Nabarro uh, is a strong advocate for face coverings uh, on transport, but also in shops and other places where people can't physically uh, distance. Now, he was speaking yesterday at the special committee on COVID-19. He warned that the virus is still in its early stages. He also warned that a vaccine is still a long way off. I was really interested in what he would say about vaccines. And he said any potential vaccine would have to be thoroughly tested for safety. And he reckons it could be two and a half years before everyone would get a jab. Now, that's not to say a vaccine won't be available in a year and a half, but by the time everybody around the world who is willing to get the vaccine gets it, it's going to be about two and a half years. Then he was asked about air travel out of Ireland or into Ireland. He said it might be possible to build air bridges with countries which have similar levels of the virus. He did not believe the rule, though, that all arriving passengers on airlines have to self-isolate for two weeks. He doesn't think that will continue in its present form. Uh, but he said it's likely to be in, in, applied on a negotiated basis if somebody's coming from a country where we know it's got high COVID-19 then obviously they would be forced into uh, isolation and creating these air bridges with other countries he said it would involve an assessment of risk so he's not saying throw open the borders and let anybody you like in he's saying do the assessment of risk and decide and then make the decision Dr Nabarro says he does not believe Ireland will have to go into full lockdown again although the virus is still in its early stages worldwide he believed Ireland would be able to target local outbreaks in the future. He was then asked about the deaths in our nursing homes and he said the statistics showing that 62% of all of the deaths here in this country from COVID-19 were in residential centres. He accepted that that figure was very high because the average in other countries is just 25%. So we really, it's going to be our great shame, I think, when we look back in years to come on COVID-19 I think our great shame will be the number of people who died in residential uh, settings. But he did go on to say, uh, particularly when we look at other countries and the the average 25% of deaths are are in residential homes, he says that what you have to bear in mind that the way deaths are counted internationally are different from country to country. And he reckons that we here in Ireland, we probably have the more honest uh, figures. He did call though for nursing home staff to be tested weekly or more often to update their virus status. And I wish that was something that we were introducing here because of what has happened in nursing homes. I think that those weekly tests should be going on to make sure that we don't get another outbreak or a cluster inside in a nursing home. Uh, So his comments on, you know, should we open up the country or not? I think he's been very cautious about it and saying, you know, we could look at this idea of having an air bridge between a country that has low cases of the virus. But again, you know, he talks about the assessment of uh, risk. And we were talking about Munster yesterday, remember, as a regional pod and saying, could we open up in Munster because we know we've got low COVID-19 cases? Well, when you dig even deeper into the figures for Munster, Kerry comes out as a shining light. If Kerry stays free of COVID-19 for another five days, it will be the first county in Ireland 
to be officially free of the virus. There has been no new cases in County Kerry since the 18th of May and there was only six since the 5th of May. Now, according to the Department of Health, buildings are considered COVID-19 free if they have no new cases in them for 28 consecutive days. It's it's basically two 14-day incubation cycles. So, uh, within another five days, that's where Kerry will be. They will have had two 14-day incubation cycles free with no COVID-19, anybody testing positive in the county of uh, Kerry. And so there are other counties that have a low number, but Kerry is certainly well ahead of them compared to the first seven days in May when there was 177 new cases. Now, that was across all of Munster. There was just 16 in June. So we're doing well you know, right across Munster but Kerry certainly is ahead of the pile so there's now calls for for Kerry to open up sooner along with us all across uh, Munster because obviously people are saying that the restrictions are too draconian and they're hurting businesses which have already been crippled by uh, COVID-19. But Sam McConkey, who's the head of the Department of International Health and Tropical Medicine at the Royal College of Surgeons, when he was asked about it, he said that there would be problems if you were to say when he was asked about Kerry in particular, if you were to take Kerry as a county on its own and decide everything would open up in Kerry and you would close off the border to Kerry in that nobody could enter Kerry. Everybody in Kerry would stay in Kerry and no one would be allowed in, you know, because it's COVID free. He says legally it would be a big deal and he said not really feasible for the people who live near the county border. What would you do with people who live maybe a mile or two on either side of the border and they need to travel to go to work or whatever? He said it just really wouldn't be uh, feasible and he said it would also be hard to enforce in practice as you need to get food delivery and other things need to be delivered in, into Kerry. Kerry, like other counties in Ireland, they're not self-sufficient for goods and services so people will always need to travel into and across the border. Professor McConkey said a plan with county by county separate openings had many problems and he says in his view we are better to work as an island together rather than a, a, at a regional level. And then a local doctor from the Farron 4 Medical Centre, uh, Dr. Eamon uh, Shanahan. He's quoted in the paper as saying today, you know, he's quoted, I don't want to rain on anyone's uh, parade, but he's fearful if we open up the floodgates and you decide that uh, Kerry is COVID-19 free. He is nervous that they're going to see a surge in cases because if people from other parts of the country decide the safest place now to go on holiday this year must be Kerry because they're COVID-19 free, he's fearful that individuals will bring in COVID-19 with them. And he said, you know, people in Kerry that we need to, that they need to be super uh, cautious. But give it another five days and they will be the first county in Ireland to be COVID-19 free. 1850-333-103. Sadie and John Paul are taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862. 103, 103. Mick in by Texas. Morning, Patricia. I would just like to comment on the antibody test for the coronavirus. And this is a test that will find out for sure how many people have actually been infected in this country with COVID-19. Uh, people who did not realise that they had picked up uh, coronavirus. Well, Mick says it was reported in the last number of weeks, and as recently as yesterday, that the HSC were looking for volunteers to take the antibody test just to see how widespread the virus was and to see if people are immune to the virus. Unfortunately, this is not true. 
why. I rang the HSE to volunteer to have the antibody test done, but I was told the HSE are hand-picking who they will call forward for test. In my mind, that's not volunteering. If the HSE don't want volunteers, then they should not report report false information, uh, so says Mick in a banter. And the clarification on the antibody tests and, and exactly who and what they were looking for uh, only came out uh, this week. We knew that there was talks of the HSE doing this antibody test, but it was only this week that we discovered in what areas they were going to test people. And of course, the two areas they picked was Dublin and Sligo. Dublin because it has the highest number of infections and Sligo because it has recorded the lowest number of uh, cases. And then I looked into this further yesterday to see exactly how people were going to be selected. They were going to, the HSE themselves would be randomly selecting uh, people, contacting people. The word, the, the reason, Mick, that the word volunteer is used, they can't force anyone to come forward for an antibody test. So they were going to select so many thousand people in Dublin and in Sligo of all different ages obviously as well and um, socio-economic backgrounds I mean they'll go right across the board to get a good sample of the population in both of those counties and then they ask people if they will volunteer to come forward for the antibody test so that's the reason that the word volunteer but yes you're, you're, you're right in that you can't volunteer yourself you can't ring up uh, because Mick you're not on your own when I started talking about the antibody test when I knew that the HSE were planning on doing this we just didn't know that it was going to be Dublin and Sligo only uh, there wasn't a day went by that we didn't have people come forward to say I would love to take part in that I would love to have a blood test done uh, to see if I could be tested for antibodies and I know we've heard from some of our listeners who've actually contacted their own doctors their GP practices and asked is it possible to get an antibody test and as far as I know it isn't there's no way you can just you know pay privately to have an antibody test now whether that will come in eventually I don't know thank you though Mick for your text Anthony is on about the queuing that's going on in pennies and it seems to be nationwide there are queues outside all of the stores Anthony thinks it's all a bit of fun but he said he wouldn't queue Uh, he said I wonder how much social distancing is going on in those uh, queues also said Anthony sad to see mother care uh, is to go. My sister actually lost her job. Oh, sorry to hear that, uh, Patrick. So many uh, people are losing their jobs in retail and certainly Patrick Street in uh, Cork are losing so many of their big, big uh, stores. It's going to be a real struggle for Patrick Street to try to get new tenants into a lot of those uh, shops. And of course, with those shops closing, uh, people are losing their jobs as well. Let us not forget that. Now, as we've been doing every Friday, probably since the pandemic began, we're encouraging people when you go out shopping to please buy local papers. Local newspapers are so important to all of us but it's so important that we keep our local papers and we've seen local papers in other parts of the country uh, actually go out of business during the pandemic because people are not buying papers at the same rate that they used to and of course advertisers, a lot of the local papers rely on small businesses for their advertising and of course small businesses closed so they weren't taking out advertising so it is important that we support our local papers. If you're doing your shopping this weekend, please, please, please consider picking up a local paper. So we take a quick look at the local papers and bring you some of the headlines and some of the stories um, from them. The Mallow Star 
Um, have on, on a front page story that Cork County Council has announced three months of free parking in Mallow. That's an initiative to help businesses as they reopen after the COVID-19 uh, lockdown. And I know certainly that's news that will be welcomed by many, many shoppers to uh, Mallow. And they also have a big lead story about back in business. And actually the Corkmen are using the very same uh, title back in business. The Corkman today say there was a palpable air of anticipation and even excitement on the streets this week that hasn't been in evidence since early March. Never has a Monday morning been greeted with quite so much enthusiasm by retailers across the region, many of whom had been forced out of work for months now by shoppers who needed a little bit of retail uh, therapy. That's on the front of the uh, Corkman. And the Corkman also then inside in their papers has a story telling us that there is money in muck and this is a plan to develop a facility near Mitchellstown that will convert slurry and household waste into a natural gas to be fed back into the national network and it's been given the green light by Cork uh, County Council. The site is at Curraconna near Mitchellstown and it was chosen as one of the Uh, Proving Grounds for Gas Network Ireland's Innovative Greys Project. So there is money in muck, according to the Corkman. And they also speak about the M20 and could it be a victim of the new government? And this is an interesting piece. And it's an interview with the current county mayor, Ian Doyle of Fianna Fáil. And while he's his own party are in negotiations to form the new government. Mayor Ian Doyle has warned he would reject any deal that would put in jeopardy the proposed M20 motorway and the agricultural sector of North Cork. Ian Doyle told the Corkman that his party leadership should have entered into talks with Sinn Féin following the election as it was the third largest party. And Fianna Fáil, despite returning Hartford seats in Cork North West, had had a poor election. And that's from Ian Doyle. The Vale Star have happy 38th birthday to the Vale Star on their front page. The Vale Star newspaper is 38 this week. It was on June the 12th 1982 that the first edition hit the shops and in the almost four decades which it's followed it's been an indispensable part of the communities of North Cork and South Limerick recording the highs and lows, the happy and the sad and indeed it's been the biggest selling newspaper in the area and now they are battling through a pandemic. So happy birthday to everybody in the Vale Star and they also have a lovely story on the front page about a 103-year-old lady uh, called Betty McElholm and it was Betty is photographed because she took part recently in a commemoration that was held on the exact spot where Kilmalik Barracks was attacked 100 years previously on the 28th of May 1920 during the War of Independence and 103-year-old Betty was the guest of honour because Betty is a direct link with the attack on that uh, fateful night. And there are uh, photographs in uh, the uh, Vale Star as well. The Avon do also have that major gas plant getting the green light in Mitchellstown on their front page. And they talk about the many shops that reopened for business under phase two. Many shops, retail businesses in Formoy and Mitchellstown and throughout the Avenue catchment Monday, March, the beginning of a week that uh, had privately worried a lot of people that it might not actually happen. And inside in the Avenue, uh, a piece with the, the 
Dáil Deputy Sean Sherlock has confirmed that Lynch Camp in Kilworth is only being used by military personnel and not by civilians suffering from COVID-19. There was incorrect rumours circulating around the area in recent weeks and it was claimed that members of the public suffering from COVID-19 had been placed in the camp to prevent the spread of the illness and the rumour went around that it was a, a COVID-19 quarantine centre and they that rumour has been debunked. It is not true. And the Avenue has a good news story on COVID-19 as well with uh, media reports emerging on Thursday of last week that there was no new cases of COVID-19 have been identified at the Keypack Watergrass Hill uh, factory following the latest round of testing there and that's good news for the staff but also good news for local people who are very anxious about the outbreak at that particular meat plant. And Carrie Down has the story of local lifeguards taking up duty for summer. If you're heading to the beach, we're not, we don't really have weather for the beach at the moment, but we're hopeful. We're hopeful that weather will improve. But if you are heading out, Cork County Council's Beach Lifeguard Team are once again preparing to oversee the safety of the public in the waters off the Cork County Cork coast and they do an amazing job every single year and the Irish Southern Star have a story of, from Jackie Kyo about Irish Water's demand for more than 1 million euro to connect a proposed residential care home to a sewerage treatment plant in Drimaleague and it's been described as uh, insane you can read more about that in uh, this week's Southern Star and they also deal with a case of uh, an animal welfare case this is Councillor Danny Collins is raising the issue of this it's the birth of a foal in Bantry uh, last week was not a happy occasion because the condition in which it's been kept it's adjacent to a halting site and Councillor Danny Collins said it's grossly unacceptable and, I thought, and there's a picture of the uh, foal next to the halting uh, site and it just seems the condition that's been kept in is is, is dreadful. And then uh, the also in Jackie Kyo writing in the Southern Star, the family of an 88-year-old woman has described as a pardon the language here but this is how the family described it a bloody disgrace the fact that they felt forced to bundle their mother into a car and take her on the one kilometre journey to Bantry General Hospital rather than let her endure an 80 kilometre trip by ambulance to Cork University Hospital with a broken pelvis now it seems what happened was this elderly lady had a fall while at home it was early on the morning of the the 3rd of June her family rang for an ambulance and was told, well, she'll be brought to CUH. If we send out an ambulance, she's going to go to CUH. So the, their family decided there and then they were not doing this to their 88-year-old mother. And, and I, I'm assuming they realised very quickly that she had broken her pelvis. She was in a lot of pain. They did not want her in the back of an ambulance and then she would have been up in, in CUH. So they took what was a hard decision as well to put her into the car. And that, you know, now it was only a one kilometre uh, journey, but, it, you know, it, it was still a, a tough decision for them to make and I see Deputy Michael Collins is uh, commenting on this particular uh, case you know and just again saying why you know when she lived so close to 
Bantry Hospital. Why was it not decided as soon as that call came, we'll get her to, we'll send an ambulance, but we'll get her to uh, Bantry Hospital. Michael Collins raised the issue in the Dáil with the Health Minister, Simon Harris, and asked him to provide an explanation as to why the woman couldn't have been taken by ambulance to her local hospital. Why were the National Ambulance Service insisting that she would have to go to a CUH? The good news, though, according to the Southern Star today, that thanks to everybody at Bantry General Hospital, the lady is making a great recovery. She's still in hospital, but uh, she's close by her family who can come and wave in the window at her. So I don't have the lady's name, but we wish her the best of good luck and good health. And we hope she's home with her family soon. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, insufficient internet access has become a big problem for families whose children are being homeschooled. And this week, Bandon Fianna Fáil councillor Gillian Cochran has highlighted how some students in the town have been forced to carry out online exams exams in the church car park. Councillor Gillian Coughlin uh, joins me. Good morning to you Gillian. Good morning Patricia. And our apologies that we didn't get to you yesterday but good, good, glad to be talking to you today. Now this is such a bizarre story. Can you tell us what you're hearing about? Patricia the insufficient rollout of broadband across the county has really impacted I particularly during the COVID crisis. Um, As we all know, we were all advised to stay at home. People were working from home. Students were doing their um, schoolwork from home. And this created a huge draw on um, on the networks. There are black spots, however, even in spite of that, that cannot receive the internet connection at all to the home. And one of the particular black spots around Bandon, now there are many, I have had many, many um, interventions from people saying that they cannot get their, their internet at home. But one of the particular spots around Bandon it was Gaggan. And people would drive from their home in Gaggan with their own mobile device and park in the church car park as I suppose a public safe area. And from there then, download their work and do their work uh, in the car, students doing their schoolwork and parents perhaps on Zoom meetings or whatever the case may be. And this is a a very regular, frequent um, action by these people over the weeks of the COVID lockdown. So if you go into the church car park, you could clearly see people sitting for long periods in their car, very obviously working. Yes, and that is continuing to happen. Um, I spoke to these people in the in the past few days just to um, to reinforce it and to make sure and it continues to happen because they're in, where they live um, they cannot receive the signal and this is not the, you know this is not the few now Patricia this is the many um, in fact across the county there are 78,695 premises which the um, Department of Communications has identified as being not commercially viable for um, for broadband so they're what's called in the amber area and in the Cork Southwest region 21,275 premises of that 78,000 are in the Cork Southwest area. So, you know, there are many, many homes, farms, businesses which are suffering as, as a result of the lack of broadband. And as you know, it really is so essential for day-to-day living, for business, for education, for everything. It's and almost now as Im- it's almost as important as, as water and electricity. Absolutely. I mean, certainly, it's, it's 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 it was almost like the rural electrification when that happened. That's that's a broadband rollout. A broadband should be certainly. So, I mean, every every 
movement we make now really is is involved w- uh, with the internet for news, for education, for business, for communication. It really is all very dependent on the internet. And I think it really is a very poor indictment of the government. The National Broadband Plan has been promised for years and years and years. And why is it again that rural communities are suffering? In fact, it was identified that if we have had um, high-speed broadband to our rural areas, it could be an absolute opportunity going forward. We recognise that with COVID-19 and perhaps other viruses that may um, strike, you know, we in Cork South West have had such a great advantage. We've had space and the ability to go out and social distance, um, you know, not being such a built-up area. The added advantage to that, if we had the high-speed broadband, it would be such an attraction for uh, workers, for mobile workers, uh, who could live and work in their communities and yet have jobs in, you know, technically in New York or anywhere at all around yeah. the world. But they could be working from Glengariff or from Gagan or wherever the case may be. But the infrastructure must be provided. And I'm very disappointed in the Department of Communications um, who really are not recognising the urgency of this for families. Um, they, During the COVID pandemic, they provided some very mealy-mouthed sort of um, assurances, reassurances. But I want to see really um, teams of technicians out on the roads providing the services, even in the interim. If it's not fibre into the home, which is, you know, a very big job, there are other ways that um, the signal can be improved and boosted such for a, people in the as, interim. Such as? Such as, uh, you know, there are many companies doing, um, provi- you know, redirecting the beams, the, the waves from masts um, that are existing and that has been proven to be successful in some areas so for example in the community that I'm working with in Gagan they are um, researching now the community themselves are researching the possibility of perhaps erecting a mast to uh, intensify the signal to their homes but it should not be up to the community Absolutely. to do that and, and but I think we're back again once again showing how if you live in a rural area you're going to be disadvantaged straight away Absolutely and there are many Gagans besides I must emphasise that you know I'm just highlighting Gagan as a particular instance because the church car park was the particular uh, place that they came to but I've had people you know a, a consultant from ovens who cannot do his work um, in the evenings from home you know he's he's at the front line and he was you know reading reports and wanted to download reports from home could not do it so had to stay in hospital longer to do to do that reading um, you know adding to his fatigue there are many many instances right across the county where people it, it is impacting on their quality of life and impacting um, and, and they're paying still of course they're still paying for broadband to their home but the signal is so poor that they could just cannot do they physically cannot do the work they need to do yeah you'd have to feel so sorry for the children uh, you know being homeschooled Absolutely. and the parents trying to do the best that the best that they, that they can it's it's re- it's just so so unfair you raised the issue at Cork county council what level what response did you get um, indeed, I suppose as a teacher myself, just to reiterate there about students, it's hard enough for students to be motivated at home without packing them into the car and then having to do the work at the back of the car. You yeah. know, I really do empathise with the students and with the parents, who I know is very difficult, a lot of pressure on them as well. Thankfully, we're coming towards the end of the primary school year now, um, so hopefully that will all will all be better for September. As regards Cork County Council, the um, Chief Executive Officer recognised and acknowledged the issue and certainly um, recognise that it was an important issue for the county. However, of course, it does not come under the remit of Cork County Council, and I recognise that as well. There is an officer um, in the 
in County Hall who would be charged with perhaps supporting the companies who would come into the county to provide broadband, things like road openings, planning permissions and that sort of thing. But that is the only power that that person has. So I asked that perhaps a report be compiled um, so that we as councillors could form a delegation to the the current or the incoming Minister for Communications emphasising the importance of expediting infrastructure around our constituency. It is crucial going forward. You know, there, there is a question mark over how things will pan out into the autumn. Yeah. Hopefully we will be back to normal and that we will have beaten this virus. Um, but we just don't know that. And so we but need working now, remotely and learning remotely is still very much on the table. I think so too. I think people will have more choices about, you know, whether they will physically go into work or go into school and um, there will be blended learning and there will be opportunities for people to, to you know, work from home. But we need to provide those opportunities and support people in those, in those choices that they may make. So it is imperative that we get ahead of this. And we're so behind the curve that is, as I say, 78,695 premises in Cork County. 14.64% of the county is deemed unviable for commercial um, companies. And the government has not yet really tackled those those premises and not provided the high-speed internet. Okay. That is so crucial. So Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86 103 A bit of advice, please, on scams doing the rounds. Nuala has been on to say she's received two scam emails from Bank of Ireland saying there was unusual activity on her account and to immediately change her details. Problem is, she doesn't bank with, on, with Bank of uh, Ireland. But she said, looking at it, it was very, very believable. And actually, I spotted on the Mallow Active Kindness page last night, uh, one of the contributors there put in a piece wanting to warn people they'd also, they'd received a text from Bank of Ireland saying that the credit card has been blocked due to security concerns and to click on the attached link to reactivate the uh, Visa uh, account and the, the person on the Malawakta Kindness page last night said, most certainly a scam as I'm not a Bank of Ireland customer. So, but you can see how when they are, when, it's, when as Nora says, it's very believable, you can see how people do get caught out with it. And only yesterday with uh, Sergeant John Kelly on a crime file, he was talking about p- people in our own area here in Cork who have been caught and only lately somebody getting caught for a couple of thousand euro thinking it was the bank contacting them and it wasn't. So please just be really, really careful. OK, some of your calls and comments coming. Oh, thank you, Teresa. Teresa got back to us. Teresa kicked off our discussion earlier in the week about problems with the NCT centres when you go back to have your you, the people going to get their NCTs are people who are going back just to get the second part of their test done when the lifts had broken or when the lifts were taken out of action because there was a problem with the, the lifts in the NCT uh, so people got their NCT test but they could only get two thirds of it done the final third where the car has to go up on the lift you have to go back into the NCT centre to have that uh, done and Teresa discovered a problem when she went in that she was being charged they did the whole retest uh, they did a full test but they charged her for a retest and she thought that that was really unfair because they, everyone was told and it is for the majority of people it is free to go back in and have that second part of the test uh, done but Teresa was forced to go through a retest uh, 
full test at the cost of a retest and then they discovered there was something that they hadn't discovered on the first test and she had to go back for she would have to go back for another retest and be charged again and I just thought it seemed really really unfair because when Teresa went to have her first NCT done if they had been able to put it up on the lift she would have passed with flying colours and we wouldn't be having this discussion about uh, Teresa's NCT so I told her to get on to them have the patience though because you could be on hold for quite some time before you get through to speak to a customer service personnel and she did hold on and she did argue her case and then she contacted us yesterday to say somebody was getting back to her on it and I said keep us posted and she's just come back to say that she got contacted by a lady from the NCT office yesterday and she, she said we agreed that I would present my card this morning at no further costs to complete the test which I did got my certificate to print it off compromise was no refund on last Tuesday's fee and the certification extends to the end of July 2021 and that's a general application says uh, Teresa so well, well well done you fought the case and at least you've saved yourself the cost of one extra retest uh, at least and you're getting a little bit extra on your NCT uh, as well and of course we got when we started talking about Teresa's case with somebody who works in the NCT warning people that when you go back to have that second part of the test done go up on the lift if your car if you've driven an extra 5,000 kilometres since the test you have to go through a full full retest and you're going to have to pay for it as well so people need to keep that uh, in mind but uh, thank you Teresa and I hope you have a lovely lovely weekend we spoke about free parking in Mallow. This was the story picked up in one of the local papers in the in the Mallow Star that there's free parking in the town of Mallow for the next three months. This is kind of a, a boost to the town and to get people into the town and to get people back shopping and little bit of help for the retailers in, in town. A listener, quick as a flash, says why is there not free parking in Charleville or in Canturk? Would that not help local enterprise like what they've decided to do in Mallow? I suggest you bring it up with local councillors in your area because I'm sure it was local councillors would have pushed to have the council agree to free parking in uh, Mallow. And then another story that I mentioned in the local papers that some people are commenting on was the 88-year-old woman who fell at home and she ended up with a broken pelvis. When they rang 999, the National Ambulance Service says an ambulance will be on the way but it will be taking the your mother, in this case, to Cork University Hospital, which is 80 kilometres away from where the woman was and yet she was only one kilometre away from Bantry General Hospital. So the family decided themselves that they lifted her into the car and drove her took a couple of minutes. Now she was in great discomfort bless her heart because she had a broken pelvis but they were delighted with what they did but they were just annoyed that the National Ambulance Service was saying to this 88 year old woman no you can't go to your local hospital you have to go to Cork University Hospital instead and you know an 80 kilometre journey when she was in that kind of pain. Um, Pat says Patricia the reason the HSE bypassed Mallow and Bantry Hospital it makes it easier to close them down. It's simple really says Pat and that's why the hospitals are being bypassed. Well they're been bypassed as well because there isn't an accident and emergency there and that's what Nora is picking up on. Nora said the family in this particular case Patricia chose and she puts it in 
big capitals chose to take their mother to Bantry. They weren't forced to do it. If a 999 call is made, the ambulance crew will then take the patient to the nearest A and E department. In this case, it would either be Cork University Hospital or the Mercy Hospital. Bantry does not have an A and E. It has a local injury unit. Plus, the ambulance does not have x-ray equipment on board to find out exactly what is wrong with the elderly lady. It sounds like that as she fell and injured her hip area, it could have been a fractured hip which, if it was, it would have required surgery. That surgery would have had to take place at Cork University Hospital. I'm sure the family and Deputy Michael Collins would have been out complaining if she'd initially been taken to Bantry Hospital and then required transfer to Cork. You can't win, says Nora. I think you've been a bit unfair on the on the family in this case because I think even if as in this case it was it was the pelvis so they were able to deal with it at at Bantry General Hospital and if God forbid it had been a broken hip and she needed to be transferred to CUH I don't think the family would have been complaining I think they would have at least seen that their mother would have been made comfortable for that journey for the 80 kilometre journey where instead she you know by taking her to Bantry Hospital they were able to deal with it and now she's able to do her recovery close to you know, her family are nearby, nearby. Now they can't visit with the visitor restrictions but they're able to go outside the window and wave in at her whereas if she was up in CUH she'd be so far away from her family and if she was you know upstairs in the hospital the family wouldn't even be able to look, you know, wave in at her in through the window but because she's close by they, they can do it. So I think you're being a bit unfair uh, to the family Nora but thank you for your comment and the Health Minister has confirmed that he's going to request a report from both the HSE and the National Ambulance Service on, on t- to find out why it was that they were insisting that she went straight to CUH rather than even bringing her to Bantry Hospital first and just take a look and see could have been dealt with because that's what would have happened. They would have taken her into Bantry. Yeah, we can deal with that and it could have got sorted from there. Whereas that wasn't going into the picture at all. They were just going straight to uh, CUH. A Douglas Lister says, Patricia, I'm wondering with all of the people that have been queuing some since 4am this morning to get into pennies, what do they do to go to the toilet? They don't have toilets in pennies. <laughs> I've no idea what they did. Uh, we will be talking with uh, Fiona Corcoran on her frontline workers of Frontline Diaries today. She has spent time with bus drivers so we will be playing out that uh, later on on the programme but um, we're also going to be talking to her about pennies and I think she's got a vox pop from some of the people who queued up in uh, pennies this morning. And they opened early. I'll, I'll find out more from Fiona but as far as I know they weren't due to open until half past 10. But then I saw video footage of people going in at 9 o'clock. Now perhaps that was to do with the size of the queue. I don't know. We'll we'll find out. Uh, but they seem to have opened earlier than they had planned to open because there was a huge, huge queue. It had gone right down Patrick Street, down the laneway and almost around the corner was nearly coming back on itself. So maybe they took the decision there for them to open earlier. Uh, Michael, hi Patricia. I won't, oh this is on vaccine, I won't be banking on a vaccine in the immediate future for COVID-19, especially on past history of other vaccines. Yes, face masks should be used as much as possible, but there can be confusion as to the quality of the mask. Cloth masks are really porous and I would question their suitability. Would we not be better with one standard mask? Furthermore, they should be available to older people on prescription along with their medical cards. As the older people we know are the most vulnerable and it would help to protect them and keep them from going into hospital, hence taking the pressure off the health system. That's from Michael. And that's one of the suggestions that was made with the Labour TD 
raised that issue. He was suggesting that everybody over the age of 60, we should make it mandatory that they wear masks out in public. And he had suggested that they would be, every household would be given masks, but that people over 60 and people on medical cards and people in at-risk groups and vulnerable groups would all be given the face masks free. But you're right. We've looked at that, all of the different types of masks that are out there. They keep saying just a cloth covering for members of the public because they don't want people rushing out and buying the surgical ones that are only needed for the hospitals and for the doctors and the nurses. But the surgical ones certainly would give additional protection to older people if we went down that route. But you know what's going to be said. There'll be a, well, there certainly would be a cost in, involved in it. But it would be the fear would be that there wouldn't then be enough PPE gear for the hospital if if we got a second surge. Hopefully uh, we won't, but it's not a bad suggestion. And Michael, thank you for that and hope you have a nice weekend. Hi Patricia, if wearing masks or face coverings does not become mandatory, then it seems pointless any of us wearing them. There will always be people who will make excuses and will fail to conform which will put many other lives at risk. People with breathing difficulties can wear face shields as they do not affect breathing and they would offer the same protection to stop the spread of droplets. It needs to be all or nothing. And I think a number of people will uh, agree with you on that, that it does need to be all or nothing. I think that's the fact that it's not mandatory and the fact that there's a lot of confusion out there, confusion out of what's the best type of mask, what's the best quality mask. Do I need to wear them? Do I not need to wear them? And we are getting conflicting messages. You have the World Health Organization recommending that you wear it. And I mean, Dr. Navarro yesterday, the envoy from the World Health Organization, I mean, he was saying that people uh, should be uh, wearing them. He was certainly pushing the government to make it mandatory. But until it's mandatory, you're going to have people, I'll wear them if I want to wear them. And other people saying, no, I don't like the idea of uh, wearing them. And that survey that came out this way from the Department of Health only 24% of people and it's even with the government suggesting that people wear them when out in public only 24% are actually wearing them at the moment yet 84% say, eighty-four of people say yes if it was made mandatory they would wear them but because it's not mandatory now there's going to be more talks about it um, there, when NEFID meet again the National Public Health Emergency uh, team they're going to be looking at it again they have more meetings planned for next week so I mean I think it's something I imagine it's something that possibly gets discussed at every single meeting of the National Public Health Emergency Team and everybody's coming out suggesting that it's a good idea but they still haven't gone down the route of making it mandatory. Hi, this is from Finbar. Hi Patricia, could you please let me know if it is legal that some shops charge an extra 50 cent when you're getting a 20 euro mobile phone top up. It annoys me every time I have to pay it. Thanking you, God bless. And that's from Finbar in uh, Bantry. Whether it's illegal or not, it's been around for quite some time. I, certainly the last, probably five, six years ago was the first time we raised it on the programme. And the charge varies from 20 cent in some shops to 50 cent in other shops. I don't know if it's legal or not, but it's very much a consumer issue. And actually, on, I, I'll have to check with John Paul, has it been confirmed or not? We're hoping to do a consumer issue on the programme on with Dermot Jewell of the Consumer Association. We're hoping to have him on the programme on Monday because there are so many people complaining about the airlines, people who are entitled to refunds from both Aer Lingus and Ryanair. Many, many months on 
after their flights were cancelled. Some people opted to go for vouchers, still haven't received the vouchers. And that's becoming a tad annoying now because the airlines are starting to open up and they're starting to put a flight schedule on. People now want to start, people who are comfortable about flying again, want to start booking. But people are waiting on their vouchers this certainly is the problem with Aer Lingus and with Ryanair. They're waiting for the vouchers to arrive so that they can use that voucher to rebook a book a flight. So there's a problem in that. And then there is a whole host of people who didn't go for the voucher route and said, no, you cancel my flight. I want my money back, please. And there are people waiting many, many months for cancer flights. So we're, we, we have put a call through and we're hoping to have Dermot Jewell come on the programme on Monday to discuss what else can people do and where is it leaving people. So I'll make a note, Finbar, of your comment. And um, please, God, when we get Dermot on the programme on Monday, we can ask him about that and, and try to find out if uh, if it is if it is legal or illegal but it isn't just it isn't just one shop I can I can tell you for sure there are many many shops charging for top up of phones am I right in saying they also charge extra what, what about people who are topping up their electricity or gas yeah, do people get charged extra for that as well I'd be, let me know if, if you do or uh, is, is it just on mobile phones that some char- shops charge you whatever it is tenner, the 20, 30 euro whatever you're getting on a mobile phone sh- top up and then the shop charge an additional charge on top. 1850 text our WhatsApp 0862 C103 Jobs Childminder is wanted four days per week in the children's own home it's in the Hazelwood area of um, Mallow, your own transport will be necessary. A dental nurse slash receptionist wanted for a practice that's in Bandon. While Newmarket Motors are looking for a parts advisor, motor trade experience and a knowledge of after sales would be an advantage. And milk recorders are wanted for a number of locations across Cork County. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is... C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now this week, Falta Ireland released their guidelines for the reopening of the hospitality sector, which what which which what has been the greatest crisis that this industry has ever faced. So to get a local view on how the reopening of hotels will look like, I'm joined by John O'Flynn, who is the general manager of Photo Island Resort. Good morning to you, John. Good morning. How are you today? I'm very, I'm very well. Are you excited or nervous? How would you describe your feelings around the reopening of the hotel? I suppose we're we're a bit, maybe a bit of both, but we are really excited to get going again. I think um, personally, myself and all everybody here working in photo, we just can't wait for the get go um, and to start welcoming our customers back again. Because I think, you know, maybe the hospitality industry now has a part to play in lifting people out of this lockdown that we were in for the last couple of months and we're looking forward to playing our part in doing that but definitely we're excited in terms of the guidelines i mean it's a very comprehensive document um and everybody in our industry are going to follow them to the letter of the law and that takes a lot of the a lot of the uncertainty and a lot of the nervousness out of it because it's all there in black and white what you need to do and what you don't need to do. Yeah, I was reading through them yesterday. I mean, it's, it's a lengthy and, and a detailed uh, document, but they, they are only guidelines. I mean, are they all workable, in your opinion? They are workable. I mean, in, I mean, here in photo, what we're doing is we're working with this document and the document that the Health and Safety Authority have brought out. And, I mean, 
the one that I suppose that everybody is talking about is the two meter rule and reducing the two meter to one meter, which would be great if that happened. I mean, if the numbers um, keep going down of COVID confirmed COVID cases, I'd be confident that we'd see that number coming down, and that would really, really help. But absolutely, the guidelines are workable. Um, I mean, taking a, a common sense approach to each detail to it, it's a very practical and a very workable thing. Now, there is no from a business sense. There is no doubt about it. It is going to reduce down um, our business levels, but we've just got to adapt and we've got to move on with it. And then hopefully next year, when the restrictions are completely lifted, we can get on to, you know, um, back to the normal business levels. Does your gut instinct tell you that they'll reduce the two metres to, to one metre? I mean, particularly when you hear, you know, Dr. H- Tony Houlihan say, you know, we almost now have zero new uh, cases I mean, we're heading towards eliminating the, the disease. That would that would bode well, wouldn't it, for the two metres going to one metre? It would, I think. I mean, the, the Irish government have, you seem to have been following the policies in, in the main European countries. And if you look at the countries that have reduced down their two metre to one metre, it has worked for them. Um, I know Germany went straight in and went with the one and a half metre, and that has held. But... I, my gut instinct would say yes, that we're going to see things, see that reduced down to, to the one metre. And that would be fantastic for everybody because, I mean, people, families want to reunite, they want to reconnect. Nobody wants to be sitting um, kind of in, a, in an empty feeling restaurant or an empty feeling room. People want atmosphere. People want to get back out again. It's, it's Irish. It's what we, what we do. We all want to have the fun and the crack in the, in the bar. And I think that's, that's hopefully what we'll get back to um, very soon. How different will a hotel stay be? I don't really think it'll be that much different. Um, There are certain things that you will have to do. I mean, you will have to um, book your your meal times. You will have to book your swimming times. In terms of the reception desk, only one member of the family checking in will be allowed to go to the desk. The bedroom will not will not change. There'll be nothing different in the bedroom. There will be some items that will be removed, um, you know, reusable items such as maybe guest information folders, the pens, the biros, but they'll all be available on request anyway. But if families who are co- going to visit any hotel, if they take a bit of time and put a bit of planning and effort into when they're what activities they're doing, when and when they're going doing them they can definitely really have an enjoyable stay. It shouldn't change your experience at all at all. As a matter of fact, I think if you look at it and get yourself planned and organised, it can really help you have a great a great stay in one of the Irish hotels. I know the mini bars are, are gone, will be gone. What about the tea and coffee making machines in the room? Yeah. And, you know, mini bars were, ne- were nearly a thing of the past yeah. anyway. They yeah. were gone anyway. So the tea and coffee making facilities are, are to be available on request. So, for example, what we're doing in Fota is that we're going to um, have our tea and coffee tray. It'll be fully cleaned. Then it'll be shrink-wrapped in a, a special shrink-wrap machine that we have bought. And then when a customer phones down and says, look, can we get some tea and coffee making facilities sent up to a room? This can be delivered and they have the confidence they can look at it and go, right, you know, we know where this, this has been cleaned. That's good. Nobody's been at, nobody is at it. And there we go. And they have it for the use of their stay. And then when the next customer, or sorry, when they depart, it'll be every, every element of it will be completely removed. The buffet breakfast, which I have to say I always enjoy. Is, <laughs> is, is, is that gone? Could that be gone? 
what we're doing, and I, and I know from talking to a lot of my colleagues, we're going to move to a, a deli-style breakfast. So you're still going to come up. I mean, like everybody loves going to the buffet and looking at the beautiful pastries, the beautiful fruits, the yogurts. Um, and I mean, one thing that I would uh, I would plead with all our um, people in the in the industry and everybody is to you know support our local suppliers, support our local cheesemakers, our local butchers. That's what we're going to be doing. So people will be able to come up to a, a deli-style breakfast. There will be a chef behind a screen. He'll pick out the items that you want, put them on the plate, hand the plate to you, and you'll return to your table and, and enjoy it. I mean, that food, you know, that interaction around food, I think it's, you know, when you look at the English market, when you can go in and you can see the food, you can smell the food, you can taste it, we, we still have to have that in, in, in our industry, and we're going to have that with these new deli-style breakfasts. Okay, because I, I love that leisurely breakfast that you can only experience in, in a hotel. And while, you know, having it delivered to your bedroom is fine, but it's just not the same as, as sitting down and having that, oh, I'll have another cup of coffee or I'll go back up and get another bun or whatever it is, a pastry. So so I, I, good to hear that that's uh, still in place. Changes then in the restaurant, um, John, what can we expect? I mean, really, there will tables will be a little bit more spaced out okay. um, that's, the, that's, the, that's the one of the key things um, you will have to book your time in advance but that's, that's normal anyway um, menus will be disposable menus or what we're doing because we don't we're, you know, want to be very conscious because we have a beautiful island here we're very conscious of the environment we don't want to be creating a huge amount of waste plastic we're just going to have our menus on notice boards so you don't have the, so we're reducing the amount of touches between them yeah Things like salt and pepper shakers will be removed from the tables. They'll be just there in, on, on, on sachets. Um, your cutlery will come pre, pre-wrapped, if that makes sense. So it won't be just... Um, Sitting on the table. Exactly. Yeah. When we clean down the table, so after a customer leaves, what one of the things that we're doing in photo, um, when the customer leaves, there's a whole disinfecting process that we're going to go through. And then we do need to leave the table sit for a certain amount of time there will be a timer on the table so the customer can see that, look, this table, it, to, to make sure that the full cleaning protocols has, have been maintained, there has to be a rest time for that table. Um, in some cases, it'll be five minutes, in some cases, it'll be 15 minutes, but people will know that the table has been cleaned on properly. But that's all. I mean, things shouldn't, I don't think people should be scared about going back into a yeah. restaurant at all. At Very labour intensive from your point of view. It is, but look, the hospitality is a labour-intensive uh, industry, um, and one of the key things that we have done here in Foda is that we have spoken to the people who are, are on the front line, who are the people who are going to be serving the tables, people who are going to be interacting with customers, as we all do anyway. And I mean, they've come up with some very good solutions, very key things, very... Um, shortcuts is the wrong words, but maybe just a different way or a cleverer way of thinking of doing things. Um, and that has helped us. I mean, like, for example, one of the barmen has suggested and something that we are um, striving to do is changing all our glasses to a stemmed glass to, to so it promotes people to hold the glass down at the bottom of the stem rather than at the top, you know. It's clever. Yeah. You know, it's just and that and that came from one of our our, our barmen. You know, ideas like that that are going to make it make it safer for everybody. Now, Foto Island Resort, you're you're so well known for weddings. Uh, is there? Are you still waiting on guidelines as to exactly how weddings are going to be held? Absolutely. I mean, 
and weddings are the are the backbone of the hospitality industry in Ireland. I mean, and nobody does a wedding like um, like an Irish wedding. That's for sure. I mean, we have a, a lot of our weddings would be international weddings, and people come to Ireland because we do weddings better than anybody else. And it's, and the announcement on the restrictions regarding weddings are due out today. Now, again, I think what seems to happen is that based on the numbers that come through from the HSE, that's when the announcements are made. It's our hope that later on in the year that we will be back to weddings, back to, to um, back to normal weddings, I suppose is the way to put it. I suppose the dining element is, is the easy part. It's when later on at night when everybody wants to get up on the dance floor. The dance. Exactly. Yeah. And how are we going to manage and how are we going to restrict that? But personally, my hope is that by the time that we hit October, um, September, October, that COVID will be completely eradicated from Ireland and it won't be an issue and we'll be back to having, you know, the weddings the way we want. I mean, keeping keeping people two metres apart on the dance floor and expecting staff members to police it is just, that's a non-runner. It is a non-runner. It's just something you you just couldn't do. Um, You know, people are going to be in high spirits. They're going to, people are going to want to go out and dance. They're going to want to do these things. It's... you know, I think we just got to wait until the announcements come out, but it is a non-runner. There's no point in saying otherwise. I, I, I read online somebody talking about the back in the day, the ball of romance, the priest with the hawthorn stick wasn't able to do it, keep people two metres apart. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> OK, and the spa experience, um, that would be a little bit different, you'll, but you'll book for the pool. The massages and that, John, they gone for a while? They're gone for a while, but again, one of our staff members, um, Gosha, came up with a fantastic idea. It, it's a new screen that would, it's a flexible screen that would stay between the um, therapist and the customer. So it will allow us, actually, we will be able to do um, treatments, certain treatments, right. from when we're allowed to go, which I think is the 20th of July. Now, that could be, the spa treatments are in line with the, Hairdressers, hairdressers yeah. There's, well, there's a push to bring that to the 29th of June as yeah. well. So if that comes forward, then we will be able to do um, start doing our treatments. Some treatments. Yeah. Okay. And are you already getting bookings? Oh, we are. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean... Um, Staycationers? The, obviously, it's all, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, what I would uh, urge people to do is, you know, look for value in your, in your holidays. I mean, there are so many attractions in Cork um, and around the country but definitely in Cork I mean if you, if you just take East Cork like on our doorstep here we have Photo House and Gardens you have Photo Wildlife Park you have Cove you have Spike Island you have the whole East Cork experience you have the whole West Cork experience and I mean there's such an offering here in Cork I think it's a fantastic opportunity for yeah. Irish people to rediscover Ireland again I've been saying it I, I really do think I'm always trying to look for the positives that will come out of COVID-19 and I do think this is one of them I think people will get to realise what we have here in this country and, and, and people will travel and suddenly realise you know this is we have a great country and we have a great product we have a really great uh, product your golf course reopened in May is everything going okay there? Absolutely everything is, is, is going great I mean you know, we, I mean, we were privileged um, that the golf course could open, or were one of the first things to open, um, and it was, you know, it was a great release for people. I mean, I actually live on the resort, so I've been here through the whole COVID thing, and I must admit it was a very lonely experience yeah. when you're here on your own. Um, well, obviously, my family are here, but when you're here on your own, it is. But it was great to see members coming back. But it was great to see people you know, get out of it. And there was like a weight lifted off their their shoulders to be able to get out into the fresh air again. 
meet, granted for social distance, but even talk to friends, have communication, just to interact with people. Um, and you could see people's spirits lifted the minute they got here, mm. got to play their first round of golf and all. And all absolutely, absolutely. You know. Listen, John, uh, stay safe and we wish you luck going forward. And thanks a million for joining us on the programme this morning. Thank you very much. Good Thank morning you. to you. Bye bye. Uh, John O'Flynn there, the general manager of Fota. Island uh, Resort on the reopening of the hotel industry on the 29th of June. We wish all of the hotels the very, very best of luck. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862-103-103. A new group called Caring for Cork is spearheading the first of what it hopes will be a number of fundraising initiatives to support local charities impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. The fundraising drive was launched this week by the Lord Mayor of Cork, Councillor John Sheehan, who joins me on what happens to be his last day as Lord Mayor. Good morning to you, John. Um, he was there and now he is gone. Uh, John has disappeared from the screen. Got it up completely. OK, let us get uh, John back on uh, while we sort out that. And just to, uh, we were talking about hotels a couple of minutes ago and the hotels reopening and we touched on weddings and they're waiting. The, the hotels, the hospitality sector is waiting for the definitive guidelines for weddings. And in particular, it's the numbers, the number of people that be able to t- attend a wedding. And the one thing I didn't uh, touch on, but a listener is bringing it up saying, what's going to happen with musicians and singers nothing has been done for them and they're getting absolutely no support I don't know how many of them would have been able to sign on for the COVID-19 payment but yes their industry you know we're talking about the hospitality industry being decimated but certainly for musicians and uh, singers the very same can be said now I'm told the Lord Mayor of Cork Councillor John Sheen is now on the phone line good afternoon or good morning to you John Morning, Patricia. And I, I just mentioned about this Caring for Cork initiative that was launched this week. But today is your final day as uh, Lord Mayor. So we're delighted to be speaking to you today. Is today, is it tinged with sadness that the year is over? Or is it almost a relief that the year has come to an end and that you had a good year? Ah, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of sadness. I mean, it's been an amazing year, Patricia. I mean, we, we had the, the city expanding for the first time in 50 years and, you know, um, the, the office of Lord Mayor is just a huge honour because with all the commemorations then with uh, Tomás McCartan and Terence McSweeney and then of course COVID kicked in and our world changed for all of us. Um, but it's been a fantastic year. We've both myself and the Mayor we really enjoyed it and particularly just meeting people and the people that really impressed you, Patricia, aren't the big names or the celebrities. They're the sort of the, sort of what you'd often describe as ordinary people you know, doing some amazing work in their communities. And they're the things that really, really stick with you uh, throughout the year. So it's been a fantastic privilege. And we're looking forward to getting back to practice. I'm a GP in Blackpool, and we're looking forward to getting back to that. But we've had a fantastic year. And you could, we could never have predicted this time last year when you took over what way Cork was going to be at the end of it. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you just go about your business and then suddenly this thing is in China it's on our on our radar slightly, but really, I think when it when it came to Italy, that's when really everyone suddenly said this is very very real. But then I have to say the response from people, both in terms of having to change their behaviour, but looking out for their neighbours and helping their neighbours and how can we help people, has been incredible. And that's been one of the real most uplifting things over the last few months to see that response. Uh, right throughout the city and county that everyone really has done and it's worked and it's made a difference and Cork has done you know well I know there's been some spots and 
some areas where, 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 where there's been challenges, but overall it's done very, very well. But we can be so proud, can't we, of the the community spirit and I mean both the city council and, and the county council uh, really getting involved and we're at the forefront of leading up the help uh, for people. We can be very proud of our communities. We really can. And, you know, sometimes we, you know, which is human nature, we, we, we tend to look at sort of the negative side of things. But one of the positives really I, I think we'll all take out of this is that I, I've, I've got to see and meet my neighbours a lot more. I'm sure most people have. We're probably not rushing and racing as much as we as we normally do. Uh, we've had family dinners with all our teenagers around at the same time, which again is fairly <laughs> rare. Um, you know, so there's been a number of positives, um, very much out of it, and people have been really looking out for each other and helping each other. Okay, and when you look back on the year, what's the big highlights? What will stand really stands out? I suppose two big highlights would stand out, Patricia. One is the school visits, and I think every uh, every mayor says this. Uh, just when you see the kids and the enthusiasm and they're just so impressive um, they, you know particularly the special schools they would just really really just it just stays with you and probably the other big highlight was the opening of the Mary Ellen's Bridge when yeah. Mary Ellen who, who did so much for to rescue people during the war and to meet some of the children who are now in their 80s that she rescued uh, in the boot of her car from the death camp it was just such a humbling sort wow. of moment in time you know so something that would just stay in your mind forever do you worry for the future of patrick street we're hearing of all the shops closings ready to pop the question the jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello? We've lost John again. Okay, I don't know what's going on with uh, John's uh, phone line, but he has just uh, disappeared on us. If John Paul can get him uh, back. Uh, We were talking about phone credit card phone charges when people are topping up somebody was asking is it illegal the shops charge an extra in, in this case I think it was 20 cent he keeps getting charged for 20 euro credit and it annoys him every time he goes in to buy uh, credit James said I have never been charged extra for my call credit uh, but I know um, 
I know my what I know that there is a charge when you're buying five euro worth, but if you're going for twenty euro, I've never been uh, charged. It seems to vary from shop to shop. Thank you for that, James. Are you back with us, John? We are indeed. Okay, sorry. I know what's going on. There's like gremlins on the on the phone uh, the, 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 this morning. Um, I was asking. I was bringing up about Patrick Street in Cork. So we're hearing, you know, the really sad news of so many shops uh, closing down. Do you worry about the future of a street like Patrick Street? is going to be a challenge because, you know, we see major retailers, you know, Devlin's been the obvious example um, um, going and that's going to be a challenge of how we reinvent it and how we get people back into the city because there's a bit of fear as well about going in and mixing with people and I think we have a job as a city to work with the traders to overcome that fear to, you know, we're pedestrianising a number of streets we're going to put, you know, maybe more street furniture out there, make it more of a space where people can sort of come in go for a bike to eat in the city a bit more but it is going to be a challenge because the economy has taken um, a huge hit um, over the last um, last few months hopefully some of those will come back hopefully new ones will come in and that the city will be able to reinvent itself because things were very much on the up before all this um, yeah. hit and it certainly got a bit of a lift this morning with pennies opening by all accounts they were queuing around the corner it certainly did <laughs> yes yeah, that was a fantastic you know that, that's a good news you know, good it news is story, absolutely you know, absolutely you know. okay and then just the this that this charity event that you launched this uh, Caring for Cork the first challenge is a Camino walk type event that's right I mean so many clubs and GA clubs Soccer clubs things have done have done fundraisers, and what this was an initiative by a number of people in Cork here um, to uh, Marymount, Simon, and Cuh Charities, which are very worthy causes, because obviously a lot of charities have taken hits. So the idea is that people would walk the Camino in their own area, in the in their own community, log the miles, uh, put it on, and then maybe make a donation for the, for those charities. And it's over the next couple of months, so there's plenty of time to do it. Um, but the idea is that we would support some of the charities which have taken um, a bit of a hit over the last few months because their normal fundraising has just um, has just disappeared. Yeah, it's a terrific idea and, and three great charities have been uh, selected. Uh, John, listen, we really appreciate you taking time out on your last day. Enjoy your last day and thanks we a million for joining us. Thanks very much. Richard. Good morning to you. Uh, bye-bye. That is the Lord Mayor of Cork on his final day, Councillor John Sheehan, 1850-333-103. Okay, let me go to some of a lot of commentary uh, coming in. Let me go to to some of it. Uh, Kathleen says, Patricia, would you give the Curiosity Charity Shop in Drimmer League a shout out on the airways, please? We are open with a huge selection of stock. Do encourage people to drop in. Okay, the Curiosity Shop Charity Shop in Drimmer League. Hi to everybody there. There's another charity shop uh, open for you for that listener who was inquiring about charity shops. But then a Cork City listener has contacted me to say, Patricia, just to let you know, not all of the charity shops are open in the city. I was in the city on Tuesday and only two of them were open. It could be next Monday before the rest will open in Cork City. Yeah, I did mention that, that we know that a lot of them opened last Monday, but others need time to reopen. I think because some of them probably didn't realise that they were going to be allowed to open so quickly because of the phase two plus 
And I think that caught some people unawares and uh, so there there will be slight delays on some of them. But just check in with your local, there's a particular local charity shop. I would suggest just uh, check in with it and to see what date they're actually going to reopen. I, I'm assuming some of them will probably put a sign in the window if they're not open telling, saying when they are to reopen. Hi Patricia, in the last budget, a person with a, on a medical card, the minister announced there will be a reduction of 50 cent on each item of medication for the prescription charge. It is two euro on each item at the moment. It's to be reduced to 150. Do you know when that is coming in? I do. It is coming in from July of 2020. As with a lot of things that get announced in the budget, if there's a price to go up, it'll go up that evening. But if it's a reduction, we will wait. I mean, when was the last when was the budget, that budget announced? Was it October? I haven't got the exact date. I'm sure it was last October. So it's July of 2020. So your prescription for this month will remain at €2. Euro. But when you go to get your prescription next month, your €2 euro per item will be reduced to €1.50. Uh, uh, Kate c- cannot believe the amount of people that are queuing up to go into Pennies. People have very short memories on how a lot of the clothes in Pennies with child slavery Kate says she is somebody that won't be in the queue. Well, there was a lot of people in the queue this morning for um, pennies. And I know Fiona Corcoran uh, went out to have a chat with uh, some of the people who were queuing outside pennies this morning. And she went along to find out why they decided some queuing from 4am in the morning. About uh, half seven. Because, like, look at the queue now, like, so we've waited another hours either, like, to get in as well, like, do you know what I mean? I need uh, pyjamas and like uh, new eyelashes and stuff like. You look bald without them, like, do you know what I mean? Uh, about five o'clock. Five, yeah. There's really nothing else to do. So we just came in. Great atmosphere here, like. Boil ourselves. We waited long enough. Online shopping hasn't been going well, so I said we'll go in and do it right. If, if any time I'm in town, you just have to pop into pennies, like, do you know? You'd always come out with something. I even made up my head, like, what I want. <laughs> yeah. We had plans last week. <laughs> we planned to come in since they said they were opening. And we had our times ready and all. We were going to bring a tent, but we wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> we went to Central, opened at half six, and we got a hot chicken roll. I have my Red Bull to keep me going. And um, we did coffee as well. <laughs> Flying around, loads of energy. <laughs> uh, since about half six, but our friends have been here since like half three. <laughs> yeah, madness, so... Jam is fluffy sauce. We didn't have it for three months, like we needed pennies to be open again. We need our white socks back. We do. I love to watch a pennies. Oh, I'd come in every day. Every day. Every day. Every second day after college. Yeah. Socks, jammies, you need to get new ones at least once a week. A new morning coat, like, you know. First thing you read. Eyelashes. 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 You know. <laughs> just grab our favourites and run, I suppose. You yeah. can just get what we need. Like, you can trust pennies. It's cheap. It's simple. Like, it's going to fit. If it doesn't fit, you just get rid of it. Like. <laughs> in first in first out, I suppose. Was worth, the, was worth the queue. And what time did you start giving? Uh, quarter past seven. The most essential things now, the atom after getting so. The socks, underwears, makeup wipes. The main things, everyone's running up to all the clothes department, I'm just running upstairs to the shoes, underwear, so it's all I need to really. So yeah, I got a good few things to be honest. 
Okay, there were some of the young people on and you know, the majority of those voices were young people on Patrick Street uh, this morning. But across the country, people were queuing up and we had uh, reporters in Dublin, Drogheda and uh, Waterford. Since three o'clock. Pajamas, knickers, baby clothes, duvet covers, everything from me got. <laughs> I'm here till tonight. <laughs> we're used to queuing now. No matter what shop you go to, you have to queue. So it's, yeah. no, it's no hassle. Once it's not raining, we don't care. There's nowhere to be, so like, may as well just queue and get a couple of bits, like, you know. I heard fucking jeans. Oh she my god. Jeans. I'm looking for a top. But yeah, the Maybe. quarantine weight really, she's been she's been gained and uh, she's a new pair of jeans. We're here since five o'clock this morning. Penny's bits. <laughs> just bits of everything. Summer stuff, flats, all that kind of bits and bobs. Yeah, love pennies. Jeans, new jeans, that's it. New bed sheets and pyjamas. Great Waterford accents there at the uh, at the end of that. Uh, funny to hear people that put on the weight that they need at the clothes because they're not fitting into uh, anything. Okay, and thank you to uh, our own Fiona Corkin who headed on to Patrick Street uh, earlier today for that. And also thank you to the County Mayor. Councillor Ian Doyle was listening to me earlier when I was talking about free parking has been introduced in Mallow for three months and we were doing this as part of the taking a look at what's in the local papers and somebody uh, made in saying, well, why isn't Charleville? Why is there no free parking in, in Charleville? Well, uh, Ian Doyle, of course, who's based in Charleville, says that there are there is a two hour free parking on the street in Charleville and all the car parks in uh, Charleville are free all of the time. So Charleville very much open for business and there is free parking available. And here is a lovely, lovely call that we got from Jennifer just showing the kindness of other people. Jennifer said, I was in Bandon yesterday. I needed to go to town to buy some shoes. There are no toilets open anywhere around the town and I needed to use the loo. I want to thank Sheila who works in the shoe shop. Now I don't have the name of the shoe shop unfortunately but thank you to Sheila when Jennifer explained the dilemma she was in Sheila allowed Jennifer to use their staff toilets so thank you to Sheila and then Jennifer said after that she went to buy a cup of coffee and whatever coffee shop she was in they weren't taking cash they were only taking payment by card and unfortunately Jennifer only deals with cash and she didn't have a card with her and the young lady who was standing in the queue behind Jennifer next to be served said that's okay take your cup of coffee I will pay for you pay for it on my card again we don't have a name I don't have the name of the coffee shop uh, either so uh, hopefully the, the person may be listening it'll ring a bell so what that's great kindness that's just great kindness being shown by both so thank you for that and thank you to Jennifer for taking the time out to acknowledge those acts of uh, kindness Mary Amalo said I saw the photo on the on Facebook of the queues for pen it's an absolute joke. There was no social distancing going on there. There'll be a second wave of the virus and people will be blaming the government, but it won't be the government's fault. It appears people are not sticking to the guidelines. Uh, Mary Amalo rather annoyed about that. And Carmel was on about Ryanair and her flight. She said, my flight on the 22nd of August has been cancelled from Cork to Malaga with Ryanair. I was under the impression that flights would resume by then. Um, as far as I know, from the 1st of July, they are resuming, I think, about a thousand flights Ryanair are putting back up in their schedule. But I'm open to correction, but I remember when I read when the announcement was made, I think that's only about 40% of the schedule. So, yeah, people who still have flights booked, 
can expect flights to be cancelled unfortunately unfortunately flights will continue to be cancelled other routes are opening up but um, at least they've told you in time you've got a a bit of time if you want to play around if you want to go somewhere else uh, instead but yeah if you're looking forward to a particular holiday it can be very very disappointing on the charges the additional charges that some shops when people go in to get phone credit and they're charged an extra it's an admin fee and people are saying People are giving out about it and saying, is it is it legal? And we do have Dermot Jewell, actually, of Consumer Affairs, coming on on Monday. So uh, I put that question to him. He's coming on to talk about flights, actually, the cancellation of flights and people trying to get refunds and uh, vouchers. Somebody says, Patricia, it's worth pointing out that if you go into the actual phone shop to get your call credit, there isn't an additional charge. It's just an admin shop that retailers put on. But if you go, you, there are other ways that you can avoid paying for that if you can. But that's OK if you live in a town or you live in an area where you have one of the phone shops. But yes, it is worth, if you're trying to save money and there's a phone shop near you, then it is worth going in there. And Richard in Fomoy has been on to us because he's in a bit of a pickle and a bit of a dilemma about his NCT. His NCT is out of date on the 7th of the 7th, 2020. So the 7th of July. And he got onto his insurance company because his insurance is, is due out and his insurance company were able to tell him that his NCT is not now due until the 11th of the 11th 2020 but he said the NCT never told me this I'm not on the internet or anything like that but my insurance is due on the 14th of July and they need confirmation of my NCT date in order for me to get my new insurance disc Anytime I ring NCT, it's just a voice message. If I had a phone number, I could book my NCT date. Also, the guards are fining people who are driving around without an NCT certificate, said Richard Infomoy. OK, a couple of things to explain to you, Richard. All of the NCTs since the end of March have been given an extra four months have been added on to your NCT cert, even though you haven't been contacted. So the insurance company, I'm assuming they check the NCT for you, are right in telling you your new date now for NCT this year will be the 11th of November. So if a guard that stops you, the guard, all the guardie are well aware that there's an extra four months has been added on to NCT. So, so even though you're driving around and you think your disc is out of date, it's not. An extra four months has been added on to it. I don't know what the issue with the insurance company and their need for a confirmation on your NCT date, but I can tell you the only way you can book an NCT, and I don't think you'll be able to book an NCT that far out, but I'm open to correction on that, but the only way you can book an NCT is to do it online. They're not allowing people to book NCTs over the phone. But there is a call centre dealing with inquiries, but you're going to have to have a lot of patience. The number, I don't know what number you're ringing, but if it's so I'm going to give you another number I don't know if it's hopefully it's not the same because obviously the one you're ringing is just voice messages on it and you can't actually speak to somebody but there is a call centre is open that deals with queries from 9am in the morning until 4 in the afternoon it's a Dublin number it's 41359994 that's 01413594 have patience it might take you 20 minutes before you get to speak to an operator but you will get to speak to an operator so if you have a chat with the operator explain what's going on I don't exactly know what your insurance company is looking for but the NCT somebody at the end of that call centre should be able to help you and then I don't know how long this is going to go on for in that you can't book an NCT over the phone the only way you can book an NCT now 
is at ncts.ie. You may have to get, I know you're saying you're not on the internet yourself. Have you a family member? Have you a trusted friend? Somebody else that can do it for you because it's going to be the only way for the foreseeable future that you can book your NCT disc. But don't be worried about driving around after the 7th of July thinking your NCT is out of date. You've An extra four months have been added on to everybody's NCT from March. So don't be panicking about that. You'll be fine. You won't be fined uh, by the Gardaí. And then Dan says, Patricia, could you ask on post why their customer care, customer service number is a Dublin number, a no, no one number, a little bit like the number I've called out for NCT. Why isn't it a low call number? Why isn't it a free phone number? I mean, it's bad enough to be holding online for 15 to 20 minutes, but to be paying for a call to Dublin, it's a fright to God. <laughs> Says uh, Dan, who's, who's not happy about that. A lot of those companies that had low call numbers have actually switched back and gone to a landline number like that because people whatever phone provider they're with you're with a bundle whereby all your local calls and all of your calls to Ireland anywhere in the country are free of charge so maybe look at the package Dan that you actually have you might be actually get to be able to get a better package whereby your calls to Dublin are actually uh, free but uh, Ampost and uh, NCTS have a Dublin number and there isn't a, a free phone or a local number available, unfortunately. 1850 333 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. And the best of luck to everybody involved at Kilbrin Parish because they're holding their collection of perishable goods and baking for Cork Penny Dinners. It's happening this Sunday. Monetary donations are also welcome but if you'd like to donate please drop off your home baking to Kilbrin GAA Clubhouse between 10am and 1 next Sunday and gag and clothes collection that continues next Monday and the Monday after between 7 and 8 at the Gaggan Hall the proceeds are going to the Gaggan Hall at Car Park and the Galti Walk in aid of the MS Society that's taking place virtually this year on Sunday the 21st of June you can check out more uh, live on their Facebook page Galti Walk and completed application forms for Castle Lines Community Text Alert Scheme must be returned by Friday the 26th of June if you wish to become a member please contact 086 823 You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed Cork Today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850-333-103 And our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran uh, joins us in advance of us playing her uh, her frontline diary uh, which is with bus drivers Good, Good afternoon to Fiona Good afternoon, Patricia. Now, firstly, before we go to your frontline diary for today, you were out at Penny's this morning. <laughs> I was, Patricia, yeah. <laughs> Did you manage to get in yourself and buy anything? No, um, again, no more than like McDonald's. I was stuck for time. But I went in this morning to Penny's at around a quarter to nine. And at that stage, the queue was... Um, up Patrick Street, you know that little alleyway, there's a laneway just beside the store. It went all the way down there, down Oliver Plunkett Street, onto Cook Street, down Cook Street, and had started to come back out then onto Patrick Street. So it was about to do the full loop. And then I suppose because the queue was getting so long, um, the store management decided to open at nine o'clock. Now it was due to open at half ten, but they decided to open at nine o'clock. Um, they reckoned at that stage there was about 250 people in the queue. Some 
people now there was one group there they wouldn't talk to me on tape but they had been there since three o'clock this morning and um, the next ones in the queue then were there since half four and then there was half five half six and then half seven and half eight but um there was a great atmosphere there and you know i put up a video on twitter a while ago and so many people are giving out about the queue but you know talking to the people in the queue this morning they've been you know some of those people shopping pennies on a weekly basis and have really missed it over the last three months and pennies weren't doing an online offering for people and um they said that they really really needed things like underwear and socks and pajamas and funnily enough eyelashes <laughs> <laughs> and predominantly a, a very young, a very young group. Very young group. Very young. Now, there was a mix. Um, there was women of all ages there, um, but mainly young uh, students and teenagers and young women in their 20s. There were a few men. Now, I asked them to talk to me, but they didn't want to talk to me. <laughs> but um, mainly, I'd say now 98% women. <laughs> Okay, yeah, because I can see we're getting criticism as well, including somebody said, Patricia, I heard about the girls talking on the Vox Pop about Penny's reopening. It's crazy, I think. I've also seen a few videos. I didn't see much social distancing and mask wearing going on. It's crazy. COVID-19 is still with us. I don't understand the panicking of people to go back to Penny's. Uh, It's so sad. Just for a few cheap t-shirts, bras are knickers. Was there social distancing going on? Well, the store itself has signs up saying, please, adhere to social distancing while in the store and they um, are only allowing a limited number of customers in and there were security guards there and there was management there and I suppose they were trying to control the queue but they didn't have uh, markings out on the footpath now I'm not sure if that is because um, the streets are owned by Cork City Council and um, like I know people are giving out about pennies um, but I, I don't know what way it works because it's out on a public roadway like that. I know a lot of other stores would have their own premises and they would have their own car park and they're able to put in social distancing lines there with a two metre distance. But um, with pennies, because the queue is out on a public um, footpath and there's lots of other businesses there, I don't think they can actually do that. But they were there controlling the crowd and the manager was walking around thanking people for returning and thanking them for their customer and there were a lot of security guards and guardy there to help uh, control the the crowd but um there wasn't um like people i suppose there was groups of people who were there who weren't going to be social distancing but um you know at this stage people know what they're facing when they go into a queue like that and you know we've all we all know about the social distancing now i left at half nine so i'm not sure did the format of the queue change after i left but at that stage there wasn't any lines on the footpath as such but you know you would hope that people would be aware of the two meter rule at this stage and it is it is a large store so they would be able to get a lot of people in there yeah and um you know they were and you know once people were in the store it seemed fairly calm um you know people obviously had a list made out in their head and were dashing to particular items that they needed but um it all seemed fairly calm inside and it was fairly calm outside i mean i know the video looks quite um 
crazy when you see the amount of people there in the queue but there was nobody uh, like everybody was in really good form and um, they were just really glad to see Penny's opening again and a lot of people said they wanted to come in early so that they would avoid the later queues and you know I suppose the whole theory of first in first out was working for some people Um, I spoke to the first person out of the store and she had been there since quarter past seven this morning. And, um, you know, so she was queuing for what, roughly two hours. But, uh, you know, she was at the top of the queue. She got in fairly quickly and she got out fairly quickly then after that. So, um, yeah, you know, I suppose each to their own, Patricia. And, um, yeah, you know, I think yeah, like, you know, and we hear so much these days of clo- shops closing down. And, you know, we had Mother Care announcing this morning that they were going into liquidation. And, you know, we have the ongoing protests outside Debenhams because they're not opening. So, you know, people coming into the city like that to, to shop and, you know, it's great to see it. It's great to see people coming in and supporting businesses and bringing so a vibrancy to the city that hasn't been there for the last couple of months so you well, I, I even had you. the Lord Mayor on earlier and I mentioned about what was going on at Penny's and he saw it as a good news story great to see people footfall great to see people back in uh, on Patrick Street okay today your frontline diary you went out and spoke with bus errand drivers I did yes Patricia I went and visited the bus station at Parnell Place um, during the week and I met with two drivers TJ Collins who drives the 202 in the city and James Casey who drives um, all buses across the city and county and they spoke to me about what it's been like providing an essential service to the city over the last couple of months and you know I, I think they've been very much on the front line and sometimes can be forgotten about but they have been there providing a service um, obviously a lot of people have been working from home over the last couple of months but we still had people going to various different health centres and hospitals across the city and county and a lot of them needed to get to work we still had small retailers open and a lot of those people needed to get to work and indeed some of the larger businesses and factories um, across the city have remained open and they all needed to get to work and uh, bus air and drivers have been providing that service now they were saying to me that the schedule had been reduced quite significantly over the last couple of months but since Monday it's returned to a full schedule but because of the two meter social distancing guidelines they have a very reduced capacity on the buses. Um, the, the double-decker buses now can only take 19 people. Um, the uh, expressway services can only take 10. And because of that, they're asking people to be patient because, you know, if they pull up at the at the bus stop and they can only take 10 people and there's a queue of 20 people, the next 10 people obviously have to wait for the next bus to come and um, they said you know that they just hope that people remember that it's um, you know that they're following the guidelines and these will remain in place until that two meter social distancing rule is uh, reduced and um, they yeah so they've been asking people to be patient um, and it's interesting they were saying that you know, buses, and we know that buses in the city in particular had been really busy, particularly at peak traffic times in the morning and in the evenings. And they said that, you know, within the space of a week, all of that was gone. And it was really unusual and really strange to be just driving around a deserted city 
over the last while and they said you know it's an experience they hope they never have to relive again um and tj collins in particular he's been driving buses now for 22 years and he's been on the 202 for 21 years and um i thought it was lovely that he's uh, he spoke about you know the regular customers that he has and he really misses them and hopes that you know that people will be able to get back out and start getting back to normal again absolutely. very soon absolutely okay absolutely. thank absolutely. you for that fiona have a good week Thank you. And we'll talk again uh, next week. That is Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter. And here's her diary for today. Hello, how are you? How are you keeping? Where are you after? Smashing day, isn't it? Glorious again, thank God. The vast majority of us just sat back and put the shoulder to the wheel and realised that we were still in essential service. And as you said yourself, there was nurses, doctors, everybody going, shopkeepers, they were still operating. So I was quite happy to be the person that was bringing them from A to B and trying to get them safe and trying to keep myself safe at the same time. James Casey has been driving buses around the city and county during the COVID-19 pandemic, which he says has been a strange experience. Before this came in, we were absolutely booming with numbers, with no routes on and most of our buses were packed early mornings and in the evenings. And it just went from that to zero in the space of a week. And it was absolutely frightening at the time because you're not used to it. It was hard driving around, seeing all the shops enclosed and deserted streets. And it's just something I hope I don't experience again. TJ Collins has been driving the 202 for 21 years. I know a lot of my passengers there by first name, like, you know, and uh, all the old guys there that go for their pint at night, like, you know, you'd miss them, like, you know. When you come around the corner, you'd know exactly who's going to be at the stop, where they're getting off, they don't have to ring the bell. But um, you'd miss all that now, you know. So you're looking forward to getting all that back again? Oh, gee, yeah. Hopefully we get back on track. Like you know. He says there have been times when he was afraid for his own health. Yeah, I have, yeah, because I've underlying conditions as well. I have diabetes and uh, celiac. Um, so I was worried at the start that I wore a mask at the start. When the first one appeared in Apple, like, you know, there was a, a case in Apple, I did get scared. <laughs> and I rang my boss and told him like, there was a confirmed case. And then when the second one came in, like, you know, we got kind of scared. All the drivers on the tour were dead. So the mask started going on, then the gloves came out. And, and but, like, we do a lot for Apple there, like, you know, so Apple now is strict um, mask now. Like. The two-metre social distancing rule means buses have a reduced capacity, as James explains. We have buses now with capacities that used to take 70 passengers that are now down to 19. We have coaches that can take up to 61 that are now down to 10. So there's a vast reduction in the passenger numbers that we can use, which... As you can see from all the stickers behind you, it's, it's well documented now that this bus alone now can only take the, the bones of 10 passengers and that's it. And as the discussion about wearing face coverings on public transport continues, TJ thinks it should be made compulsory. I think everyone should wear one. Like, no, they're not compulsory, like, but they should. Like, no, uh, for phase three, we might uh, get down to one metre where we could cover more passengers than like, now we'd have double. At the moment, as James said, we can only carry 17 up to 19 passengers on a double-decker. Bus Erin had reduced its schedule during the lockdown, but now with more people getting out and about, normal schedules have returned. But James is calling on passengers to be extra patient. I mean, people will queue up for pennies and stand in a queue for 40 minutes just to get the top and the pair of shorts, but they won't make 10 minutes for the next bus. So we're just asking them to be patient. I mean, we have the best bus drivers around the country in Cork, in my eyes. So they're not going to leave anybody in the side of the road just for the sake of it. We're just governed by guidelines. Everybody's under under these guidelines. So are we. So just bear with us. 
and we'll bear with you. Okay, well done to those guys, James Casey and TJ Collins. Uh, stay safe and thank you for keeping the buses on the road throughout this uh, pandemic. And our thanks to Fiona Corcoran for her, her weekly frontline diary. We'll have another diary next week. A listener says, doesn't want her name called out, so that's fine. It's easy for people to say that everyone should wear face masks, but I suffer from panic attacks. I've tried to wear one, but I can't. Uh, yeah, and, and I know if it does ever become mandatory, and they're not saying it will, there will be people who will be exempt from wearing them, people with certain medical conditions, and I'm, I'm assuming panic attacks will be uh, people who suffer from panic attacks and that fear of not being able to breathe uh, would cause somebody to not be able to wear one of those uh, face masks. So don't be, don't be worrying about it. You'll, you'll be okay. You'll be okay. And thank you uh, for your text. We were talking about what hol- what hotels would look like in the last hour when hotels reopen on the 29th of uh, June and already it seems a lot of people have started to book holidays. People are looking at staycationing. Somebody says, Patricia, you talk about people holidaying in Ireland and rediscovering what is our beautiful country but you forget two issues. First, the cost of a holiday can be very expensive and the weather here is so unpredictable. Our hotels going to offer special deals. I hope they are. Well, John Flynn, in fairness, did say to us uh, that's one of the things he says that there's good there's good value to be had there and hotels are coming up and they're being very uh, innovative with coming up with packages so yeah shop around and then there's self-catering holidays there's lots of other ways of uh, doing it as well but you are right the, the weather's unpredictable unfortunately there's never anything we can do about that and Anne says Patricia we have everything in this country but look at how expensive it can be I go to Germany to stay with my family and the currency is euro the same as here so I can compare like with like I go into Aldi and Lidl which are, by the way, German stores, and I can get the groceries for less than half the price I am paying here for the very same thing. For instance, I can get Kerrygold butter for half the price. That doesn't make any sense, does it? And a bottle of wine that I pay €8 for here will be only three ninety nine in Germany. Go to a restaurant and a cafe, food and drinks, even water is half price. Go to a chemist. buying I buy a lot, I get a lot less the same products I pay a lot less for the same products that I get here by clothes half the price I pay here go to Spain it's the same thing we simply can't afford to holiday in Ireland to keep up the good work um, thanking you says and well we know it is an expensive country to do business in that's the problem it's not just that people at shops and businesses are deliberately putting up prices saying we'll charge what we like we just have an expensive country our VAT rate is, is very high and our cost of living is very high and let's be honest when all of the businesses are opening up I think everything is going to go up in price and again I don't think it's businesses just trying to make a quick buck and trying to turn a bigger profit the cost of doing business post COVID-19 as we know uh, every business that's opened up have had additional costs which they're obviously they're going to have to pass on to the consumer 1850 333 103 lines open Record today on C103 text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 I'm Mark Malone our movie reviewer joins us with some recommendations for movies to watch uh, good afternoon to you Mark Hi Patricia. Uh, you're welcome. Okay, you saw, you watched Emma and you also watched The Wrong Missy. Let's take a quick trailer from Emma. Emma, they're here. Emma, you should not make matches. Whatever you say always comes to pass. I promise to make none for myself, Papa. Mr. Frank Churchill. That's what house. I'm sick of England. You do. Have you heard the choicest piece of gossip that has settled the tongues of the village of Thane? 
With whom will you dance? It is always the lady's right to decide on the degree of acquaintance. Well, this is, of course, the um, Jane Austen, based on Jane Austen's novel, Emma. Yes. Yeah. Or, or if you look at the poster, it's Emma full stop, uh, which kind of <laughs> confused me. I was thinking, why is there a full stop there? Well, of course, it's not a full stop. It's a period. And <laughs> to tell us that it's a period piece. <laughs> which right. I thought was, I thought, what? Everybody... <laughs> Why would they need to do that? I just thought that was very odd because we know it's a period piece. It's Jane Austen, it's Emma. We know that's going to be exactly what it is. I don't know why they that they needed to tell us that, but unless unless it was an in joke at one stage, I have no idea. Yeah, um, not that that doesn't. I don't know why they did that either. I have to say. So is this one of these ones you're either into period dramas or you're not into period dramas? Exactly. Yes, and I'm not. <laughs> uh, as you probably know, I'm not. A <laughs> Never a Downton Abbey fan. fan. No, but I did see the film, and I did like the film. I thought okay. the film was okay, but then I felt that the characters were very kind of real, whereas here, I didn't find that at all. In fact, you know, this is a film that's just straight out of kind of, you know, out of the movies, really. You know, there's there's nobody sick, there's no diseases, there's no cholera, there's no typhus, nobody's coughing, there's no poor people. Um, these people live in complete and absolute kind of utter splendor. Uh, there's a scene at one stage where Bill Nye walks into his drawing room and it's just all pink and yellow. So you just think, what kind of lives that these people lead? But of course, it's a movie and we have to kind of uh, take it at heart. Um, it is based on the Jane Austen movie and it's about this young, very, very selfish young woman who has no interest in anything really but herself and likes to meddle in the love lives of her friend. And the interesting thing, I think, I, I do remember the version with Gwyneth Paltrow back in the 90s, uh, which I also saw. Um, that was kind of a very, very different kind of portrayal of um, of Emma by her. And in fact, over the years, I think this is about the 10th version we've seen of uh, of the book. And they, they've, what they've decided to do here, they've gone back to the book and they've decided to portray Emma very much like it was in Jane Austen's book. Okay. It was much more selfish and much more... Um, kind of, a, kind of, a, kind of had a kind of a nastier side to her, as opposed to the uh, ones we've seen from Hollywood, where Hollywood have kind of dampened down uh, her unlikeliness, you know, so that you would like the characters a little bit more. Here, they decided not to do that, and in fact, that's part of the problem with the film, because at no stage do you really like the character of Emma in this film. Uh, there's one, st- for example, there's a, there's a moment in the film where she turns to Miranda Hart, who's playing the character of Miss Bates here and says something really nasty and horrible, which kind of catches you by surprise, because, of course, the, the film and, and the book are basically all about politeness, mm-hmm. and the mores of that kind of um, you know, society of back in the 1800s. And so when it happens, it does kind of, it, it takes your breath away. But unfortunately, because of that, then your kind of relationship with Emma doesn't change at any stage from then on. It's very difficult to kind of, for her, to, to, for you to warm to her for the rest of the film. And that's, unfortunately, I think, part of the problem with it. The other problem for me was the soundtrack. You heard the soundtrack there. You heard the music. Yeah. This is really weird kind of mixture of old kind of fisherman sea shanties and really over-the-top kind of orchestral music. And I remember um, a composer once who composes for movies was asked about composing for movies, and he said, if you do notice the... Um, the soundtrack at any stage, I'm not doing my job There's right. something wrong, and, yeah. yeah. 
And every time the music starts, it does kind of put you off and it kind of, it just kind of, it unsettles you. Um, I didn't particularly think it was particularly funny. I mean, there are those who say um, that it is a, a very funny comedy. I didn't laugh that much at all, although Bill Nye is terrific as Mr. Woodhouse. Miranda Hart? Miranda Hart doesn't play a kind of comedic role. Okay. It's, it's, it's a different kind of role, but Bill Nye is certainly very funny. I didn't think the men were particularly any good in the film, but I did think that the uh, female characters were terrific. Emma here is played by Anya Taylor-Joy, who is just fabulous. She's got these huge eyes, and, uh, you know, she doesn't have to speak. She doesn't have to say anything to portray uh, an emotion. Uh, her eyes do that for you, and uh, and that's the uh, an example of a very, very good uh, actress. I think if you love period dramas, you're going to love this. If, like me, you don't, You'll You're struggle. Going to have difficulty with You'll it. struggle. Yeah. Oh, so Emma, out of ten, market, please. I was thinking it's seven, though. Seven I mean, out of ten. Okay. Boring. There's always something interesting. Happening. Okay, and then the wrong Missy. This is a rom com. Uh, yeah, a rom yeah. comedy rom com. Yeah, yeah. with uh, David Spade. You know, and a lot will depend on what you think of David Spade. I think will depend on what you think of Adam Sandler, who has uh, produced this, his, uh, his company, Hattie Madison, have produced this, and they've worked together a lot in the past. And in fact, the film is kind of chock full again of friends of uh, Adam Sandler and David Spade. In fact, Adam Sandler's, I think, wife and kids are also in the film as I've well. I've just spotted in the, the list of who's in it. I've got, uh, I've got a Jackie Sandler and I've got a Jared Sandler. Yeah, I mean, they're all, all funny, related. They're all pals. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's like, yeah, we've got a role. Let's put them in. Let's put them on. <laughs> and you know, it's and, and it's a lazy casting and it's it's lazy writing, really. To be honest with you, um, it, the wrong Missy. Basically, what happens is that David Spade goes on a, a blind date. Uh, he meets this girl called uh, Missy, this crazy, crazy woman who has a big knife in her bag, and you know, most of her humour is kind of toilet related. She's very aggressive. She likes to kind of play games with him tries to get him into trouble, and is just a complete crazy woman. He manages to escape from her by um, calling out the bathroom window. In the meantime, he meets another woman called Melissa, and uh, she's the complete opposite. She was um, a beauty queen. She's smart and intelligent, and he gets on very, very well with him. He is then invited to Hawaii uh, to a work retreat and tells all his buddies, tells all his bosses that when he's coming down, he's going to bring this beautiful, incredible kind of former model, and they're all looking forward to meeting her. Unfortunately, he texts the wrong Missy. And so, who appears but the crazy woman? Uh, and as soon as that happens, my first thought was, oh, hang on, this is planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what it is. And from then on, you're going, you know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. You know exactly how it's going to work. Unfortunately, planes, trains, and automobiles was a great movie. Uh, this not so much, where it's just so rude and obnoxious and over the top. Now, to be fair, the um, the main character of Misty, played by Laura Lupkus, she gives everything. I mean, some of the things that David Spade gives her to say are just extraordinary. And, and she, she, she does it, and she does it with this kind of gusto, really. And it's absolutely terrific, but not funny, because it's the comedy of embarrassment. You're just cringing uh, throughout this yeah. whole film the most time. And that's its major flaw, I think. Yeah, and, and, yeah, I'm uncomfortable even thinking about it. I hate those cringy movies. Okay, The Wrong Missy, Market out of 10? I'll give it four. Four out of 10, whoa. Okay, listen, thank you for that. We'll talk again next Friday. Okay. Have a lovely weekend. That's Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. Okay, there is just a quick on the insurance costs. We got onto Insurance Ireland about if your NCT is out of date and you're trying to renew your insurance, what do you need to do? You don't have an, an NCT certificate. It ain't your fault. Insurance Ireland say the understanding is that a number of insurers are waiving that requirement at the moment as part of the COVID-19 forbearance measure 
better for, for customers. However, it's up to each individual insurer, thereby you have to contact your insurer directly. Okay, so hopefully um, that has sorted that out and you will be okay. Okay, that's where I leave it for today. My thanks to Sadie and to John Paul who've been answering your phones all week. We are back with you on Monday morning at 10 o'clock onto the line, Patricia Messenger. Um, look after yourself and stay safe. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.